Hello fams. We're going to level with you. There were some technical difficulties in this episode. We're trying a new setup with a new laptop. Apparently the laptop was not powerful enough to record for longer than a few minutes without cutting out. We noticed this halfway through the episode. We then tried another tactic to record. The quality difference is noticeable. We apologize and will continue our experiment with recording setups to ensure the highest quality episodes we can humanly deliver. Zero Credits It's the spring equinox, John. That means winter is over, spring is here, and once again, welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry, and once again, my name is John. And together, once again, we're Henry and John, coming at you with that full spring clean fling. It, it's amazing because people have waited so long for zero credits. I know that we've had a lot of non-canonical episodes that take place in the seasons that aren't spring. But l listeners might know that the only episodes that truly count are the ones that happen after the spring equinox yeah. and immediately before the vernal equinox. True believers, as Stan Lee would call them, would know that those are our only canon episodes making this episode very important. Excelsius. If anything bad happened to the recording of this episode, we would probably be at a, at a loss. I mean, the, the nice thing about the recording of this episode is that it's in no way unusual. <laughs> yeah, it's not different at all. For instance, we're not in our new, brand new, still under construction podcast studio at my apartment, which is actually the guest bedroom where we're sleeping currently. That is not the truth at all. Yeah, and we haven't swapped out our pretty uh, manageable and faithful microphone table for uh, what appears to be a little uh, dinner TV tray. <laughs> and what we definitely have not done is switch out the hardware from an 8 gigabyte mega rig on which I use to play really intensive video games for a literally dinky laptop that I won from my company's Christmas party. That is not happening. None of that has occurred. None of this. If, and if anyone tells you otherwise, they are spreading what we like to call spring lies. <laughs> spring lies are the only lies that count. They're the only lies that are truly sins. Yes. <laughs> lies at any other time of the year. Those are what we call... <laughs> White lies. Yeah, there's white lies. There's a very simple mnemonic. White lies are told when the sun goes around the earth. Sin lies are told when the sun stands still. Yeah, that's that's a really helpful <laughs> mnemonic in that it doesn't rhyme, it's not catchy, it's and the, it literally doesn't help you remember anything. It's also, some might say, not a mnemonic and more of an, <laughs> yeah, a, wait a second. More of an atonal song that does not rhyme nor aid in uh, remembering facts whatsoever. So this is going to be a little weird episode. All the content I got this week is related to uh, 
comic books, movies, and stuff like that. That's not weird for the podcast per se, but it's weird that that's all I have to talk about. Yeah, I uh, I also don't have a lot to talk about just because I've been planning an upcoming vacation that has been uh, taking up all of my time. What's weird is your vacation is related to my content. What? Yeah. That's crazy. Because you're going to be going to uh, Disney World. Disney World, the owners of Marvel. And uh, Disney owns all of entertainment. Uh, soon they will own Fox, and then we will have one massive monopoly that controls everything. Yeah, and, well, it's not a monopoly, you see, because a monopoly means they control all of the content, that they have a corner on the market, and they can control the supply and the demand. Uh, so, as long as Warner Brothers Studios is still in existence... As long as they're still <laughs> pumping out those DC movies... Which we, we might also talk about, because uh, the first topic I wanted to broach, if it's okay with you, my my spring co-host... Mm. Is it, it's okay with you? <laughs> Yeah, well, the thing that I would like to to talk about first is these delicious beverages. That oh, we that's have. right! Tonight we're sponsored by. Uh, well, for one, I don't know if you guys kept track before my wedding. I kept hyping up a, a certain beer that was going to be the last beer uh, because I thought it was John's favorite, and I recently remembered he actually likes a different beer by the same company better. But it's Hefeweizen from Live Oak. Live Oak Hefeweizen. Yeah, Live, Live Oak's Hefeweizen. One of the finest beers I've had since moving to Austin. Uh, second only to Live Oak Primus. I, I forgot you liked the Primus better. Uh, if you had had Primus at your wedding, your wedding would have turned into a hockey riot. It, it would be also a lot more expensive. Uh, yes. The Primus is, is, you know, that's their premium. It's it's more expensive and it's 9% alcohol. Exactly. Uh, so you would not have had a good wedding. No. Hockey Riot sounds fun. So tonight, I'm I'm actually just polishing off a Hefeweizen, and John's about to drink another Hans Fills, uh, which we featured on the pro- podcast previously, because I have several cases of them. Yeah, so I'm going to crack it open here, uh, and then discuss... I didn't realize that when you bought beer for a wedding that you just kept, like, got to keep it. I'm cracking mine open, too. Here's the thing that they don't tell you about wedding alcohol. Uh, it, it really depends on where you buy from. The place that we buy bought from was called Specs, mm. And uh, they let you keep it, and you can bring it back, but they charge a 10% restocking fee. Oh. So 10% of the amount you have left, they charge you to put back on the shelves. So why would you not keep it? So you would just keep it and drink it over the course of the next several <laughs> years. You have a uh, you have something which I think a lot of people would be jealous of right now, which is a closet full of beer. Growing up, and when I say growing up, I mean in my drinking life, which started at age 23, I had all of these older friends who would have... Uh, liquor cabinets, basically. And, and y- you know, the, the guy who would host Game Board. <laughs> Game Board. You know, good friend of ours. Man who hosts Game Board. <laughs> man who hosts Game Board. He would have, like, a, a liquor cabinet. You know, friend who ran an improv group. He had a liquor cabinet. And I always wondered how do you acqu- how do you just go out and buy liquor without finishing it off? Because mm-hmm. I would buy a bottle thinking, oh, this would last me a long time. It lasted about two weeks, and then it was like, oh, where's my liquor cabinet? The The key is, you gotta host a party. Yes, and then you keep the alcohol. You keep the alcohol. People bring alcohol, not at weddings, but at other parties. People yeah. bring alcohol, and they're like, 
I can't drive home with an empty container. So they leave it, and you just acquire all this alcohol, and that's where I am now. I, uh, I realized not too long ago, and I've been drinking for, God, half my life at this point. Yeah. Uh, you're, a, you're a real veteran. I guess. I guess. Uh, but I always was mystified by liquor cabinets, and then the couple parties that I've hosted where I've communicated that's okay to bring liquor, that's how it happens. You just amass it from the people who leave liquor at parties. Because I've run out of, because you guys brought over some vodka, and that was very nice, and that stayed part of our collection for a moment. We did? It was a while ago. It was? It was quite a while ago. What brand of vodka? It was Deep Eddie's. Was it the, the red grapefruit? Yes. All right, yeah, it's my uh, wife's favorite. And there was also some uh, some lemon Deep Eddie's, I think, and they were part of the collection. But now I'm just sitting on a skunky bottle of pretty nice Francis Coppola wine. Oh, nice. That's a really good brand. Uh, I got the kind that's covered in a gold mesh oh, wow. for Valentine's Day. Nice. Uh, and we have a bottle of half a bottle of brandy, and that's <laughs> all of our liquor cabinet right Right now. The the Franz Ford Cop Coppola uh, Merlot is really good. I highly recommend that. It comes in like a blue label. I forget which one we have right now. Yeah. I don't remember. I think it's a Cab Sav. Uh, and I have also discovered that when you inherit the world supply of beer and you have like a bottle of vodka that you bought from a, a, an aggressive promoter who seemed friendly and a bottle of rum, you don't drink those. So now I have a liquor cabinet of... Two half bottles of the liquor I like. No, you, you're you really on your way. <laughs> I'm on my way. This is what adulthood is about. Adulthood is about collecting liquor and not drinking it. Actually, yes, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, adulthood is kind of about collecting things and not enjoying them. Liquor, money. Friends. Friends. Not friends. You always enjoy your friends. Acquaintances. Yeah. People who kind of like attached to you in your life in ways that you don't understand but suddenly they're at the event that you're at and it's like oh yeah now i need to talk to you it's all about hoarding it's hoarding it's yeah because the fear the childhood fear remember when you were a kid and you did something wrong and your parents took something you liked away from you. Mm-hmm. I feel like we hoard as adults because we're afraid <laughs> that someone with more power or authority over us is going to swoop in and take that thing we like away from us. I mean, that's where a lot of people's kind of deep-seated neuroses come from. Is one of the one of the like sharpest, most poignant feelings humans have is just loss aversion. Loss aversion is one of the like, the, the deepest lizard brain things that we hold on to. And it's the most unpleasant feeling. It's the whole reason why if you give, like, apes... If you take monkeys and you give one group two coins and you give one group one coin and you set up a system where the the ape who goes up has the opportunity to either keep two coins or lose one, whereas the ones with one coin have the opportunity to gain one or just stay with one, the ones who have the opportunity to gain will favor that situation more even though the odds are exactly the same gotcha so loss aversion very serious interesting whereas uh, people's deep-seated neuroses come from we had things taken away from us or deprived of us as children when we had no power yeah and then when we turn into adults uh we have all the power in the world so for people who had things objects taken away from them they tend to collect things they become collectors or inputters Whereas people who had food taken away from them, they have eating disorders sometimes. What happens to the person who directs two films successfully, 
And then suddenly on Twitter, other people attack a comedian, so she loses her sitcom. So in retaliation, they attack this director, and he loses his movie. Wait, what do I do as a person, or what does that director do? What does that director do? Um, probably apologize, but years ago. <laughs> yeah, ten years ago he apologized. Yeah, they should have apologized for it ten years ago, and then probably just never have lost their job. Yeah, so and this is one of the first things I want to talk about. Last Friday, James Gunn... Wait, this was a segue? This is so perfect. Oh my god. I never detected the please, segue. Please, <laughs> please, don't patronize my segueing skills. It's literally all I have. Okay. But, um... God, what a segue. Famed director James Gunn of uh, Scooby-Doo fame. Yes. (laughs) If you remember the movie Scooby-Doo. Return to Monster Island or Zombie Island? Oh, the first Scooby-Doo. The the, the first live-action Scooby-Doo. The one with Ultra Instinct Shaggy. (laughs) Okay, that's another meme that's going around (laughs) right now. But yeah, you know, that famed director, Mm -hmm. uh, he, he got his job back for Guardians of the Galaxy 3. Uh, they only had to... It, it's insane to me how much pressure Disney had to be under to give this dude his job back because he apologized. It ten was, years ago he apologized. Ten years ago he apologized. It was publicized that he had apologized. Pretty much every person was on the side of bring James Gunn back because he's good. Uh, you had, like, the entire cast was kind of was behind him. Save maybe the super evangelical, for some reason, Chris Pratt. Uh, wait, hold on. Can I d- take two steps back on the podcast and make something abundantly clear? Fuck Chris Pratt. Is it for the the whole Ellen Page thing? Uh, he bad to his wife. Suddenly evangelical wait, out of which nowhere. wife? First wife. Anna Ferris. Anna Ferris. Say her name. Bad to Anna Ferris. Please, don't uh, just obscure her behind Chris, Chris Pratt's wife. Suddenly, mysteriously evangelical, I do not care for Chris Pratt. I feel like he has uh, completely misused any goodwill I had toward him. Alright, so I'm allowed to say that, because I have no opinion on him either way. Good, so the if you take your zero and my negative two... If you average those, it's still zero. It's still negative two. No, wait, average is Adam and divide by the number of units. The ZC boys spend a good five minutes trying to do basic maths, like children in grade school. They finally get it, but it was not funny or entertaining, so we decided to cut it out of the episode. And by we, I mean the recording equipment simply did not record this section. And yeah, negative two. Negative and then one. the number of inputs is two. Yeah. Holy shit, we just did basic math. <laughs> Man, it, trying to find an arithmetic arithmetic mean, yeah. you burn 3,200 calories. And, uh, so in, in the wake of this James Gunnery hiring news, a lot of rumors are flying about. Uh, there, there are camps that say, oh, this is good because a lot of directors refuse to take the... Uh, the job offered to him out of respect for James Gunn and Disney's official stance is we never offered the job to anyone else, which seems like a lie. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> seems like a lie. Because if you hi- if you fire somebody from their job and then rehire them, odds are you tried to fill that position and got opposition. And so you had to fall back on the person who had the job in the first place. That's more likely than... 
a bunch of people the the not not asking anyone to take the job. I think it's entirely possible that during the time where they had fired James Gunn from Guardians 3 that they had attempted to put up feelers for directors and it w- was dead cold. It, it they, might, they could yeah. have seen that the field no one was genuinely interested because if you're the director who takes up after that mess, yeah. that's bad. Because yeah. if you take on Guardians 3, which has been pretty much across the board the the most biggest the biggest, yeah. not the most biggest. Look at you, uh, correcting but, your grammar. But the biggest tonal success for Marvel? If you turn that around and wreck the tone, your career's over, dude. It's such a it's such a hard balance to strike that James Gunn did so well. Yeah. I couldn't blame any major director they approached for saying no to that. Like the only director who might be able to come close was uh is, oh, I'm gonna butcher this name. I'd really like him as a director. Takai Wakiti? Oh. Oh That's not his name. No. But God, how ta ta the guy who directed Taika Waititi. Taika. Taika. Taika Waititi. Wait, hold on. Taika Waititi. So Taika. Taika. Y. Y. Titi. He's the only one I think who could probably get close. And yeah. the, the rumors early on was that like he, he said, no, I don't want to do that. That's not my bag. That That's like, that's somebody else's vision. I'm not going to touch that. Please give me another Thor movie. Uh, if if Taika Waititi did every Thor movie from here on out, because he he, he nailed it, he made the only good one. I, like uh, he 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 not saved. He kept crim crim. <laughs> he kept crimmy. Old crimmy. <laughs> My favorite character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Crim. He kept Chris Hemsworth in the game because before. The, like he, Chris Hemsworth had a lot of like things that he wanted. He wanted the movie to be more fun. He wanted to cut his hair, like all these things. And Watiti was just like, "Yeah, sure, whatever. <laughs> We're gonna make the funnest, shortest hair movie. No one's gonna have long hair." I I love everything that Taika Waititi did with Thor Ragnarok because uh, he was asked at a panel uh how he felt about where Thor Ragnarok sits with the other Marvel movies, to which he responded, I don't know, I've only seen the one that I made. <laughs> <laughs> he's very funny. Uh no, he's I, very good. I, and well, he's from New Zealand, correct? He is from New Zealand. Might be a, a time on the podcast to say our hearts go out to the uh the victims of that Christchurch shooting. Yeah. We're not gonna linger on it, but Jesus Christ. I've I've let's, got a little let's not Let's stop the gun violence, please. Uh, yeah. And good on New Zealand for, within 24 hours of a mass shooting, vow to make changes to its semi-automatic and automatic weapons policies. Yeah, like, they they, they, they did a lot of things. They, like, a lot of po- political moves. And uh, somebody... <laughs> there was a tweet that's like, they did this, they did this, did this, this. Did they even try Thoughts and Prayers? <laughs> I, it's almost, it's really, I don't know what it is, but it's like there's a thing you can do to stop this from continuing to happen. And it might have everything to do with restricting gun access. Who knows? It's, I, I just, I don't see the connection, honestly. But anyway. Yeah. Back to James Gunn. I'm so angry and sad about that. Back to James Gunn control. I'm going to Disney World. (laughs) To recuperate. (laughs) 
while you're recuperating, James Gun Control, it's gonna, James Gun. Oh, that's really good. I totally. Uh, I know you did. Totally I, went over your I head. Totally went over. That's so good. <laughs> James Gun Control. He's got Guardians. My favorite part of the podcast is when we congratulate each other on the bits <laughs> that, that are really dumb. Like, oh, that's so good, man. We're just two straight white males congratulating <laughs> each other for connecting the simplest of dots. That's the new name of the podcast. <laughs> Uh, not, not incorrect. I'm we crack open another cold. We're punchy. We're all over the place. Crack it open. Back to James Gunn. He got his Guardians of the Galaxy 3 back, which is great because he really headed the cosmic area of, uh, of Marvel and like to remove him from being the head of the cosmic thing. Just kind of like, look, we both saw Captain Marvel. Yeah. It was decent. Mm-hmm. It's not a Guardians of the Galaxy by any stretch of the imagination. We need his kind of energy to kind of keep the cosmic stuff grounded in a mm-hmm. way that the characters are still relatable and they're still written as characters and not as space Jesus. Uh, fair. I feel like uh, it's interesting that we're talking about things like Thor Ragnarok versus... This part sounds like the audio cutout. It did not. John simply didn't finish his thought. Thor Ragnarok versus what, John? What were you going to say? The world can only wonder now. So Thor Ragnarok very closely fits into like this cosmic core of what Marvel movies are right now. So Marvel, going back to the sixties and seventies, had a uh, had a very important underlying message of these that events take place on a cosmic scale. There are parallel universes, parallel Earths. There and that's are, something that was introduced yeah. into the into the films, and some movies deal with that more than others. And I, I felt like Captain Marvel was a little bit weird, and maybe we'll do like a supplemental reading on it. Maybe I don't know. By the time we get to record together again, it might be. It might be too late. It might be too late, or it might be the perfect time. I don't know. But I did. I did like Captain Marvel, but it felt like a like a Thor one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it felt like a, a Thor one, but set in cosmic Marvel. And yeah. I, I guess it's it's just because the amount of the amount of screen time that you see in cosmic Marvel is Guardians. Avengers movies, Doctor Strange, which doesn't really is fit. Is that really cosmic? Uh, I'd say that the Doctor Strange's involvement is cosmic with the the Dormammu, the alternate dimension thing. Oh, because you're right. Because the, the magic of the Marvel Universe is intrinsically tied to the cosmic. I Doctor Strange was such a snooze fest for me. I just don't really remember it. You want to hear the craziest fucking thing? What? It's one of my favorite Marvel movies. I love Doctor Strange. I wholeheartedly disagree. Oh, no. I know that it has huge flaws and it really doesn't fit, but I really love that movie. I, my I problem. Love magic. <laughs> oh, that's fine. My problem with Doctor Strange and, and, and maybe even to a larger degree Captain Marvel is that at this stage, at phase three of your whole movie franchise plan, why are you doing origin stories? Please stop doing origin stories. I know we have to meet the character and we have to meet their background and their specific set of special skills and all. Uh, but do it better and in a way that it doesn't feel like I'm watching Iron Man again. Yeah, it was very much like... It was very early Marvel, but it, it took place on a stage where the stakes were so high everything kind of rung hollow. Yeah. 
Which I get that they're saying this is something that needs to be established for Endgame, so we need this to take place in 1994-1995, which I, I get why they did it. It just feels weird. I just watched Ant-Man and the Wasp. Oh, that one's... Another really weird thing. That... It's it's a weird thing because with the stakes that we're working with now, yeah. it rings very hollow to watch a movie like that until you get a conclusion to the thing that we saw in Infinity War. It, it, I think it's the problem that they, they decided arbitrarily we're going to do three movies a year. And they're going to lead up to these really big events. Yeah. And then the really big event happens. And then it's like, oh, but there's still another movie coming out this year. Don't worry, it's set before the big event. Yeah. Meaning any stakes that the movie could possibly have don't matter. Yeah, it's... Ant-Man and the Wasp I liked more than the original Ant-Man. I very much like Paul Rudd, and I'm super happy that he's getting this, this chance to play around in this universe... But they need to pick a direction. And Evangeline Lilly is great, too. She's a great wasp. I don't like her as much as Paul Rudd. It's it's insane to me that we basically had an entire first movie when in 2015 when it came out. Yeah. Where the... And stated premises, Evangeline Lilly would be so much better at yes. doing this than a literal criminal. And then the movie just hand waves it and has a literal criminal do it. And I get that he's like protecting there are her character be- reasons for it. I understand that they're protecting her because they don't want her to die like the original wasp died yes. in Russia in the 80s or whatever. For whatever reason, when it becomes father-daughter related, and he's he says like I can't believe yeah, I can't believe. I can't lose you too. Yeah. For some reason society as a whole is like Oh, we understand this certain brand of sexism. Yeah, we understand it when because <laughs> misogyny and uh, and like patriarchal obsessions over protecting women not acceptable. Paternalism, though, totally okay. I wonder if it was phrased, uh, and I, I'm not, I'm not remembering verbatim the movie, but I wonder if if Michael Douglas phrased it as like, "Yes, I know you would be better." But I think they say that almost verbatim in the okay. movie of you would be better at this, and this is the one that makes sense. But I cannot let you do it. Is if you have to get that message across, is that a good way to do it? Uh no. Okay, <laughs> I guess is well. Then I guess the larger question is: Is there an acceptable way to write that plot? I mean, sidelining a woman who's better than the man. Is there any good way about doing that? I feel like the the good way, quote unquote, to do that would be uh, to have it take place either entirely behind her back and acknowledge the paternalism and the misogyny of not allowing her to do it and, and make that a focal point. Or just have Paul Rudd just like steal the Ant-Man suit and then they're just trying to do, to do damage control on him having the suit. That's basically what the second movie is. Yes. Uh, the second movie I like better than the first one, but goddamn, the Ant-Man movies don't know what they're going they for. They need to pick a direction. Like, they need a James Gunn behind it. Either full, either lean fully into, like, the, the offbeat humor, tying in with, like, the family stuff, or be super serious. You can't do it both ways. For what it's worth, though, and I will say that this is the biggest thing that Ant-Man the Wasp has going for it, 
they made Ant-Man's thing fun, unique, and cool to watch because the first one was like, this is a scene where he is small or this is a scene where he is big. The interplay is sometimes they will interact and you'll see like small things in big world or big things in small world. That's fine. Yeah. Uh, but in Ant-Man the Wasp, they switched between being small to big to huge mm -hmm. rapidly so yeah. they would show their effects on the world, which were really cool. Uh, I but just want to. I, I, wanna I see, still didn't like it that much. I want to see the Edgar Wright version. Oh, if Edgar Wright had finished Ant Man and made Ant Man and the Wasp, yeah, they would be some of the best movies. Because the only one of the only two Edgar Wright things that remained in the first movie were them fighting in the suitcase to the Cure's disintegration, yeah. and the Thomas the Tank Engine thing, yeah. And those are the two best moments of the movie. Yeah, I I want to go back in time. I want to live in the universe. Where, well, for one, Trump didn't get elected. What? But living also in the universe where Edgar Wright got to remain on Ant-Man. Yes. Uh, I'm going to cut that part out. That's fine. No, I mean, we can be political. No, we can't. Uh, Back to the matter at hand. I'm super happy for James We Gunn. can't be political, but I can say that I personally hate racists. <laughs> Back to the matter at hand. James Gunn control. Super happy he got passed back into his job. But also, a little caveat, a little delicious caviar for our, for our discussion. A caviar, a caviar caveat? A caviar caveat. He is still writing and directing Suicide Squad reboot. <laughs> uh, I love that so much. What do we do with that nonsense? Uh, so I, I really love that as an idea because it's like, it's, it's like Disney broke up with him. Yeah. Because of something he did 10 years ago they had apologized for. Yeah. And then he had like a new temporary girlfriend. And then Disney's like, no, let's like, can we still hang out? <laughs> yeah. D D Disney was like, let's get back together. No, no, no. We can have an open relationship. Yeah. And James Gunn is like, well, hell yeah. Why not? <laughs> sure. Why not? I mean, that's speaking to, I think this speaks to above all the power of a steadfast Dave Batista. Yes, Dave Batista so integral <laughs> to James Gunn's career. I would love a time traveler uh to go back in time to tell me maybe 6 or 7 years ago and they said, "Hey, Dave Batista, you know the wrestling guy? Uh he's going to become one of the most dynamic, interesting actors and one of the most cerebral, thought out media personalities he's he's going to have great points articulate them well and choose only exceptional roles like what yeah his the wrestler he his head looks like a grape doesn't matter he's gonna be in blade runner 2049 and you're gonna like it he's gonna be in blade runner 2049 as one of the most god that entire opening segment to still blade haven't seen it the entire opening segment to Blade Runner 2049, maybe this will sell you on it, uh, is haunting in its complexity. Is I it, still think about it. Is it one take? No, it's not one take. Oh, I, not, don't, I have no interest. I only like opening shots <laughs> that are one take. I only like entire movies that are only one take. Birdman. Uh, almost every interaction in Blade Runner 2049 is so well thought out that if you let it... Uh, it would haunt you for months. I love it. Uh, because it's a movie about identity, and it's a movie about memory. I love ghosts. Which are two things that we will never solve. Speaking of ghosts, how do you think the uh, the ghost of Suicide Squad <laughs> 1 
and the director whose name this get this get this stuff the the director of suicide squad shane black no david ayer did you hear it the audio quality just took a significant nosedive the zc boys tried to disguise it the best they could content wise but the switch from recording in stereo to recording mono took a normal sounding conversation and submerged it in a tin can of subpar audio quality I suppose pointing it out does nothing but make you, the fans, aware of this dip in quality, but we thought it best to try to make light of the situation rather than hoping you wouldn't notice. Because there is no way you wouldn't notice. Oh, you know how I know that? I only know that because I read an article today about, well... I don't even know where this is. This is from Vanity Fair. Oh, Vanity Fair. Have you heard of them? I didn't know you made a million dollars. <laughs> and uh, I didn't know you could afford a subscription to Vanity Fair. Written by Joanna Robinson, published yesterday. So, old news. But... <laughs> the, uh, the, the headline, if you will, is called DC Films Finally Admits Marvel Studios Was Right All Along. What a titillating... Headline, and within this little, 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 this little article, there's the tidbit that uh, at the world premiere of Suicide Squad in 2016, directed da- director David Ayer shouted, "Fuck Marvel!" Great. What else did David Ayer direct? David Ayer is the famed director of such films as Suicide Squad, the Oscar-not-winning film. Ugh. They did uh, Fury, Shia LaBeouf tank movie. Bright, the next Netflix uh, Will Smith racism is now different movie. Yeah, the movie where racism, the the movie racism still kind of exists, but also their racism analogs are way more troublesome. Yeah. Um, the very famous Training Day. It looks like a lot of movies are just people holding guns. Oh, the Fast and the Furious. You're right. He did the direct. First. He did direct the first Fast and Furious. Jesus Christ! Yeah, he was in that. He was in it, wasn't he? Wasn't he a pizza guy? And they're like, "Get You're out!" You're right. Here, pizza he was guy. a pizza guy. The pizza guy from the Fast and the Furious directed Suicide Squad and said, "Fuck Marvel." Uh, the rest of that article by Joanna from Vanity Fair. Goes on to say that James Gunn has a philosophy of it's absurd that DC and Marvel are rivals. There's enough space for both companies and their philosophies to exist in the same cultural mindset, which is kind of cool because now he's working for both of them. Agreed. It's fine. What's fine? What are you looking up? There's Fast and the Furious news. Wait, there's Fast and the Furious news about Hobbs and Shaw or about something else? About the the rumored uh, all all femme fatale Fast no, and Furious. I I don't want to bring it up, but just all the David because David Ayer didn't direct the first Fast and Furious. I don't believe what it, he just it, this says that he did. Oh, there we go. Oh no, he definitely did, didn't he? <sighs> what? So okay, what's happening here? 
The person who directed the first Fast and Furious is Rob Cohen. He's the guy who gets out and is the pizza guy. Oh, who's David Ayer? I don't know. Maybe he was a producer or a screenwriter. Uh, Rob Cohen directed the first Fast and Furious. Oh, why is David Ayer attached to Fast and Furious? Tell me these things. I, I can't tell help. you the second one. Anyway, Rob Cohen directed the first Fast and Furious. We love Fast and Furious here. I did want to bring this up on an earlier podcast, but there wasn't a good time to do it. But now seems like a good time as any. Rob Cohen is a massive creep. He wrote it. He wrote it. He wrote it. David Ayer wrote the first Fast and Furious. He's a massive Robert Cohen. Uh, the, I think we kind of knew that from the dialogue. From It's really bad. I don't need to know anymore because he... I'm not going to talk about it on the podcast, but it's really bad. He's not involved in any other Fast and Furious project. He also directed the worst Fast and Furious movie in hindsight. Oh, Two Fast and Furious? No, The Fast and the Furious. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I think we agree to disagree. He created nothing of value. I think we agree to disagree about Directed. which movie is the worst one. Uh, and the feud will never die. Uh, yes, but no, massive creep. Sorry, that really bummed me out because I forgot that I was going to bring it. I, I was on the fence. I didn't know... Well, Austin Shaw is going to be fine and bulletproof. <laughs> speaking of people who are not massive creeps, James Gunn, Suicide Squad reboot, Will Smith is out. Oh, he's not Deadshot? Gonna... Deadshot will be a part of it, but it will not be portrayed by Will Smith. It's insane to me that we're... Okay. It's good. Hold on. What's insane to you? What... Finish your thought. It's insane to me that DC Comics is so good at cutting and running. Yeah. Because, they're... because that didn't work. Fucking reboot! Pretty much. And, and, like, they're really good at letting actors go, because Ben Affleck is out as Batman. He's no longer Batman. Henry Cavill is probably gone as Superman. You've got Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. You've got Jason Momoa, whose Aquaman is the most successful DC movie they have, somehow. Still a genuinely terrible movie. And then you've got Ezra Miller as The Flash, who is now writing his own movie with George Miller of oh. comic book fame. George Miller? Yeah. Because the screenplay that was given to Ezra Miller, he hated because it was too funny. So he, he, he teamed up with George Miller to make it dark. Isn't George Miller the director of Mad Max? You're right. I'm thinking of a different person, not George Miller. Who's another Miller? Who's Greg famous? Miller. Greg Miller, thank you. Greg Miller, famous comic book writer. But wait, which one is it for the Flash movie, though? He's because com- if, if it's George Miller, I'm going to lose my fucking mind. He's, it's the comic book one. Okay, that's fine. His name is in this article somewhere, and all of the names are in bold, so I'm going to find <laughs> it. Uh, but no, I... Grant Morrison! <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing for fucking sure, Henry. Grant Morrison sure is involved with comic books. Grant, sure, you didn't get the first or the last. <laughs> I got the letters correctly. <laughs> you got the initials right and the relationship to comic books. And Greg Miller, by the way, is a video game journalist. Oh, no. Grant Morrison... And Ezra Miller have teamed up to write a uh, the, the the script for the Flash movie, but the hold on Ezra Miller's position as the Flash is almost up, meaning that if Warner Brothers doesn't like their script, they could just recast Ezra Miller. So insane. <laughs> 
So back, it's to, it's do- they're you know they're just it's changing dogs out. fighting in a junkyard at yeah. this point. And, and, and like one of the most successful parts of Suicide Squad, arguably, is is a uh, Margot Robbie's portrayal of Harlequin. Yeah, second only to that weird uh, montage they had where Deadshot was shooting targets to Kanye West's uh, black skinhead. All right. Third only uh, to uh, the weird cut flashbacks to the flame guy. Sure. Fourth only to the uh, incongruous slow-mo when they were fighting chuds on the street. Suicide Squad is a hell of a movie. But maybe one of the more standout performances, if you agree, is Margot Robbie's Harlequin. Yes, an Oscar-worthy performance. She didn't win the Oscar. No, but Oscar... (laughs) Okay. Margot Robbie puts in more work for less roles than anybody else. Well, here's the rub. Harlequin might not be appearing in this reboot. Great. The only good thing. I know. The only good thing. So instead, we're going to have... Idris, 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 Idris Elba portraying Will Smith's Deadshot. I mean, I love Idris Elba. It's genuinely disheartening. How do you make how, a good movie out of this? It's it's genuinely disheartening that Warner Brothers and DC really don't seem to have any loyalty. My beard's loaded. Because the the thing about Marvel movies is you feel like they're fun to make. Yeah. You feel like the people who are involved in it have some amount of fun, that there's, like, this continuity, not only on the screen, but, like, between people who share these artistic endeavors together. And DC movies just feel slapdash. They feel vicious. They feel opportunistic. I never feel good for anyone that I see in a DC movie, and I genuinely believe those pieces of shit are not fun to make. I... I like Marvel, you can see the fun sort of in every frame, or at least the thinking, or at least like the quality. With DC, all I really see are concessions made to please an executive producer. I have a. This is something that I've maintained for a while about DC movies. And DC cannot put its finger on this is why these things are failing. I know what it is. It's because the pervasive toxic touch of bad people comes through the screen. Yeah, it's people not letting creatives be creative. It's There's no overarching figure who's who's plotting the course of each movie. There's no Kevin Feige. Yeah. Marvel has Kevin Feige. Marvel also has their own studios. Yeah. DC has to rely solely on Warner Brothers. The, these DC movies just feel so much... They feel creepy. They feel like the actors who are in them are taken advantage of. It's just gross. They took the design of Zack Schneider, who was doing, to quote the Vanity Fair article, kind of like a counter-programming against the fun Marvel movies and having a more serious, a more darker-in-tone version of like the superhero story. They took that, threw it out, hired Zack Schneider's polar opposite, opposite in the form of Joss Whedon to make the movies funny and all you get is just a disaster of a film that is supposed to be the culminating tie-in movie for all your properties that you're going to make these individual films for and it just does not work and the fact that you put out one film a year 
does not help you. The problem with DC movies is that they are the exemplification of selling out artists. Yeah. And the, the entire reason, because I don't think that Marvel comic books have succeeded in telling a good story. If you take the entirety of their history, I think that Marvel has had huge missteps. I actually think that DC has been much more successful in telling uh, cogent stories over a long period of time. And Marvel just kind of throws shit at the wall, which is fine. It's their brand. But I, literally, it is. <laughs> it, it, it's everything matters, nothing matters. Fuck it, we're Marvel. I, M- Marvel is the company that said, hey, nobody use, is using the Captain Marvel trademark. We're going to do that. And the way we're going to do that is uh, we're going to use, over the next 20 years, we're going to have eight different versions of this character until one catches on. Spoiler alert, none of them did. <laughs> yeah. Until eventually they started making these movies and realized, oh, we could have Carol Danver- Danvers be Captain Marvel. Yeah. Because then we'll have a strong female character and boom, we'll have a, a, a movie eventually. And they, they hit two important demographics, strong female character driving a franchise and a Super Saiyan. Yeah. Uh, but I, I feel like the thing that Marvel Studios does right is they don't sell out their artists. They don't. Other than James Gunn. But they fix that. <laughs> and Edgar Wright. And Edgar Wright. I, I don't know what happened there. Like, Oh, I do remember now. I remember reading an article that Edgar Wright didn't want these movies to tie into the other universe. Yeah, like, like the, the, the larger scope of the Marvel Universe. And, uh, of course, Disney... Not even Disney, but Marvel came in and said, well, that's kind of the whole point. Yeah. So there's some creative differences, of course. Yeah, I mean, he found it limiting to work in. Because the the thing that seems really hard about making a Marvel movie is there are huge amounts of overhead that you need to account for. Yeah. Uh, There are hard movies to make. But they also don't sell out their artists. They understand that the vision is part of the thing. And there is an argument to be made that they got extremely lucky and that Iron Man was a great jumping-off point, and then they could just make something from there. They started with a good one, whereas DC started with a bad one. It, really, it's it's too Man bad. of Steel isn't a terrible movie. It's just not a great movie. It's two people who are trying to mow their grass. Yeah. And Marvel pulled the cord and the engine started. And, and DC's still pulling. Pretty much. Like, they even they did Wonder Woman, which was a great success, but now there's rumors that Wonder Woman 2 is going to trade out the, the very serious, like, message of World War One for a weird, kitschier version of Wonder Woman where your villain is played by a comedian who, who's Kristen Wiig, a phenomenal actress. Mm-hmm. But also, is she going to be able to bring the gravitas that World War One brought? I mean, if they're Who knows? if they're rebooting Suicide Squad, is the assumption then that they're going to reboot Wonder Woman? No, it's a sequel that's set in the 1980s as opposed to the 1940s. Sure, you know, 1980s. What was what were we doing then? What was the biggest threat then? I don't know. AIDS, Russians, Russians and AIDS. Wait, hold on. Can we have Ronald Reagan, Wonder Woman versus AIDS? I would love it. Right. I mean, that would be interesting. I had serious problems with Wonder Woman as a movie. Oh, you didn't like, uh, I forget his name. Chris Thor- Pine? Thornblip. Thornblip? Daniel Thornblip, is that his yeah, name? Yeah, Daniel Thornblip. No, the no. British man who played uh, Ares. No, I thought he was great. David Elwes. 
That's yeah. not even a name. Uh, I'm thinking of Cariel was who plays as the Princess Bride. Uh, but no, I thought he was really good. I I like the I, I like the story a lot. I don't know. There's there's a very serious part of it. Maybe this warrants conversation. Uh, and I had a conversation about it with my girlfriend, and her take on it was, "Yes, you're being misogynistic." I'm inclined to agree. Oh, you hated Wonder Woman? No, I lo- I liked Wonder Woman quite a bit. I also liked Captain Marvel quite a bit. But in my mind, I'm like, which one was better? It's like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because the the craziest thing is I'm making I'm trying to make a connection between Captain Marvel. A cosmic age Marvel movie uh, that came out three years after Wonder Woman. Yeah, and the only connection that I'm making is they both have women as leads, and the fact that I'm trying to like pit them against each other and not pit like whole bodies of work against each other is like some amount of underlying misogyny because I'm trying to figure which one speaks to women more, which one's better representation. But my place as a dude is not to fucking worry about that. The only one that you need to compare is to Catwoman starring Halle Berry. As long as the films are better than that movie, then they're fine, right? Yeah, as long as they're better than Catwoman starring Halle Berry, they're on the positive side. They're in the black. Here's a weird thing to wonder about female superheroes. I want a a female Batman. Batman has no powers. Mm -hmm. He's completely self-made besides for the money that he inherited from his parents. He works for everything that he has. Wonder Woman is born like the daughter of a god. Carol Danvers gets her power from cosmic space cubes and engines made from those cosmic space cubes. Yeah. They, they inherit their powers. I want, I want a, a female superhero who really works for it. Who earns it. Yeah, who earns, who earns it. Who earns it like Batman did. Uh, yeah, I mean, even the the argument could be made that a character that's like Batgirl isn't exactly the same. Well, I, I, she's she's a step in the right direction, and the same goes for like a Superman. You know, it's not just because they're women. I just it's the two recent female lead movies that we have about superheroes. They both have these inherent powers, and it's just kind of like, but their character isn't really ever tested. Yeah. Uh, you I, need to test the character, too, right? That That's the thing that... And that's a problem with Superman as well. His character's never really tested. That's the thing that bothered me about Captain Marvel, because the, the character of Carol Danvers slash Captain Marvel slash Beers is just in a bubble separated from any kind of real human interaction other than what happens at the end of the movie. Yeah. Well, you know what I would give anything to say? What? Female Shazam. Why? Because... A female Shazam, because of the way the Shazam character exists, upon invoking Shazam, would turn into a muscular dude. <laughs> oh, you, you mean... I, I very much like the idea that the underlying character of Shazam could be a teenage girl that turns into a muscular, attractive dude and That's... has to, like, grapple with... I think that'd be so cool! It would... There's, a, there's so much to dissect there. <laughs> For you as a human person. <laughs> I, I just, I, I very much think it would be cool because it would give, no one cares about the kid who turns into Shazam. No one gives a shit. All you care about is Shazam. What? You don't care about Billy Babson or whatever his name is? All you need to make a very compelling movie that people will write articles about is a Shazam with a female lead that turns into Zachary Levi. Isn't that erasure of some kind? 
Aren't you erasing the female lead at that point? The female lead exists within Zachary Levi. But it's Zachary Levi. He's he's not a he's You not, would have to play he's a, not a woman. You would have to play a balancing act where there is a fair amount of the, the female lead grappling with the fact that she is within a dude's body. And you you get to play around with gender roles, you get to do a lot of cool stuff about microaggressions, but here's the thing. What's the gender equivalent of whitewashing? Uh, <laughs> gender washing. But here's the thing. The entire movie is Shazam versus Black Adam. Right? Is Black Adam also a small girl who drinks? Black Adam is the is just evil Shazam. That, that, but evil Shazam is also a teenage girl. And then they fight at the end. Not Shazam or Black Adam, but the two underlying teenage girls fight. Perfect movie. Okay. Perfect movie. I don't know what to say to that. It'd be so good. Because you you could play with the dynamic of if you say Shazam and you turn into like a conventionally attractive white muscular dude, that your experience through the world, even without the guise of superpowers, changes completely. And then you could even like set up a cool dichotomy where the person who's Black Adam takes advantage of like the, the abilities of like having being a superhero, whereas the Shazam person is less comfortable with it because she's more comfortable in her identity. And then they fight, because one's a pretender and one's true to herself. So good. Alright, boy, if you write it. I'll write it. If you write it, I'll Talk to me, it. DC. I'll write the hell out of that. I, I just, I don't understand. I mean, you're, you're grappling with a lot of issues I think people are not ready to contend with. The only thing that I will fight for is that scene in the original 52 where Black Adam rips somebody in half. Okay. So, number one hard R, which is going to be a difficult sell, I admit. There's a lot of implications that we need to grapple with. Ones that probably should not be in the mainstream media. Like, for instance, let's say that these are... Are, are they teens or are they, like, budding teens? Uh, I'd say they're teens. They're I'd teens. put them in like the 14, 15, 16. All right. So, that, so may, maybe the scene I have in mind wouldn't work. But let's say little, what's the opposite of a Billy? Uh, Wendy. A Wendy. All right. What's little Wendy Babson? Or uh-huh. I guess if we're going to make the alliteration work, Wendy Wabson. Yeah. Gets her time of the month and then she shazams. What happens? It goes away. Because through the power of magic. Okay, wait. This is what happens when he says Shazam. Yeah, he gets struck by a bolt of lightning. He gets the strength of Hercules. She gets the strength of Hercules. She gets the strength of Hercules, the wisdom of Aristotle, the speed of Mercury, the, I don't even know, wisdom of Aristotle, it's correct. But she get that like she would get all of these things, none of which is the, the transforming into another gender. When, when Billy Babson says Shazam, he gets all of these physical attributes. He's oh, not turning into an older man. I see. He's just inheriting these attributes from this wizard. Here's my problem. I don't know shit about Shazam. Yeah, I do. I only know, I know two things about Shazam. Number one, gets struck by lightning, turns into a dude. Number two, uh, it's how it's what Snoop Dogg calls shame. <laughs> Snoop Dogg called Sh- Shazam. Shazam. <laughs> that was gotta be all time the dumbest joke made on this podcast, and you should feel Shazam for that. 
I, I will feel Shazam. Oh Did you believe God. that going into this podcast, the only one thing I wanted to do was make that Shazam joke? This is the podcast. Can I be features... totally honest with you? What? You, you walked in with that? I mean, I developed it, uh, but I wanted to combine Shazam and Dame into Shazam so oh. I could get that joke. It was a very long walk. That is a huge I've been completely walk. facetious about my belief that there should be uh, a female turning into and a And you Shazam. didn't even use the joke. Yeah. You didn't. You, you went up a different route to get it, to the same we punchline. Gonna, we weren't going to get there in an efficient amount of time. This is the... This is the episode of Zero Credits that both featured James Gun Control and Shazam. <laughs> and Shazam. Uh, what a good podcast. I had so much more to talk about. We have time. We could talk about things other than this. No, it, the, the atmosphere is wrong. Actually, the atmosphere is perfect for to, to just completely switch topics. Did you know Burger King... <laughs> okay, hold on. Remember wait, when can you, I wait? Remember, is this a segue? Remember is when, this a perfect seamless segue? Remember when you complimented my segues earlier? <laughs> I'm about to take all that goodwill and throw it away. I feel like the top end of a bad segue is to say, "Remember when Burger King?" Segway. Oh, sorry. Segways are great. Uh, so, have you ever heard of the restaurant? <laughs> Burger King? <laughs> Burger King. Are you familiar with this restaurant? I believe Shaquille O'Neal is a big fan. Oh, really? That's surprising. <laughs> uh, well, why, why do you know this? He's like eight feet tall. He's a big fan <laughs> of Burger King. I, don't I need know. a moment to collect my shortness of breath. Uh, wait, do you know, uh, there's this, have you ever heard of the Mandela Effect? Yes. Uh, so there are a lot of people who remember this movie starring Shaquille O'Neal where a kid... Shazam. Sh- Shazam. Is, what is it called? It's called Kazam, isn't it? Shaz- no, it's called Kazam. You're the worst. <laughs> Alright, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna fully transition to my next point. Into Shazam. God damn it. <laughs> so... <laughs> You're aware of Burger King, correct? Yes. Are you aware of their their deals? They have the long hamburgers. They do not. <laughs> okay, for a while. They do not have long hamburgers. That is not a thing. Please do not tell me for a while. They have long. They absolutely do. That is not a thing. <laughs> what? Are you Googling Long Hamburger Burger King? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah, they, they, they had hamburgers that were served on, like... What the... F- they were served on, like, little sub buns. This is disgusting. They had Long Hamburgers. This is disgusting. Did you believe that one of the initial searches for Burger King... Burger? <laughs> this is... All right, that's the grossest thing I've ever seen. Are you familiar with their deals? Uh, no. For instance... Uh, for 99 cents, you can get 20 Burger King chicken nuggets. Oh, that's nuts. That's insane, right? So they, they, they have a lot of a lot of really cheap deals that kind of makes you wonder how do they stay in business, you know? Yeah. It's like if you give them 10 bucks, do you get your own restaurant, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Well, they just announced today their new plan to win back breakfast from the other restaurants. Long breakfast? <laughs> no. <laughs> what if I told you? 
that for just the price of a cup of coffee, you could get a month of coffee. Wait, what? For just the price of one cup of coffee, you can get coffee for a month. Do you get, like, a card? It's it's a subscription service. Okay. You give them $5, and you can get coffee for a month. Small coffee? Uh, let's read more. <laughs> this comes from, uh... Long coffee? This comes from the Washington Post, because there's nothing else going on that they need to report on. WAPO. Uh, a month of coffee for $5? That's Burger King's plan to rule, get it, because of the king, breakfast. Oh, like the burger This king. comes to us from Rachel Siegel, who didn't have anything better to write about today. Uh, Burger King's newest discount is quite a whopper. No, not that kind of whopper. She sounds like she should be on this podcast. She really sounds like she should be out of a job. Burger King. That was cruel. <laughs> no. Burger King rolled out its own coffee subscription service, a cup a day for $5 a month. The calculus is simple sell cheap coffee, sell more breakfast. I mean, I think that's the story right there. <laughs> you know, Burger King's been on this ship for a while. Yeah, yeah, they've been giving away food for nothing. Have you ever been a member of the Burger King Kids Club? I No, I have not. Is that like a punch card thing? Absolutely. Yeah? I was a member of the Burger King Kids Club, and there was... You had like a little punch card, and if you got ten punched off or something like that, you got a free waffle fries. They had... <coughs> they had waffle fries? They were like French. No, they were French toast sticks. Oh, you dip in icing. Nice, nice. They did not have waffle fries, which is a shame. They should really get into that. The uh, the end of this article is actually pretty golden. So for Burger King, the question comes down to whether seriously cheap coffee is enough to perk up the breakfast rush perk. and change the perception of at least one Twitter poster who wrote. Do you ever get a coffee from Burger King? Yeah, I didn't know that Burger King had coffee. I mean, I know McDonald's does because they have the McCafe, mm -hmm. the most egregious and aggressive form of abbreviation, <laughs> just adding Mick in front of things, which is their whole marketing scheme. But there's no, like, Coffee King. They didn't no. call it that. They could call it King Goffy. King Goffy? They could call it King Goffy. <laughs> that sounds like the ruler of an ancient Egyptian <laughs> land. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that there's a, there's a special place in my heart for a McDonald's coffee, but I've never had a Burger King coffee. You know? Wait, do they charboil the coffee like they charboil their burgers? <laughs> They're flame-grilled. They're flame-grilled Extra coffee. long. Oh, um, God, extra long coffee comes in like a <laughs> It's it not in a tall, trough. it's wide. It comes in a trough. You know, the, it comes in like the shape of a hospital food yeah, tray. Yeah, exactly. But a cup. Yep. Uh, I have not eaten at a Burger King probably oh my God. in 10 years. When I was growing up. In my Do we have a Burger King here? I have no idea. I'm going to look up the nearest Burger King. The last Burger King I can think of is in Hattiesburg. Which is a Mississippi town. But no, uh, we've mentioned it on the podcast okay. before. 
When I was growing up in my small swamp town, we had two restaurants. There's a Burger King 2.1 miles from here. That's too far. We had two restaurants growing up. We had a, a Burger King and a Domino's Pizza. So either way, we were like kind of like screwed. Yeah. There was no good. You, you would go to a different place to get food. You didn't even have a pizza in. What's a pizza in? You've never heard of pizza in? Is that like some type of weird Mississippi stuff? Uh, yeah, it's weird Mississippi stuff. I think it's just kind of all over the South, so Pizza Inn. Not in Louisiana. Uh, sells cheap, thin pizza, but they have a lunch buffet where you can eat all <laughs> the pizza you want. Say that again. Where you can eat all the pizza you want. So uh, it's a little Caesar. Wait, no, it's a CC's. No, it's a Sicily's. It's better than CC's. How is it better well, than Well, no, CC's is actually pretty much kind of better. Yeah. Pizza Inn's bad. I have the greatest thing about Pizza Inn is if you were a child in the 80s, which I wasn't, but in the early 90s, they had uh, arcade cabinets. Oh, cool. You could play Pac-Man while you were sitting down. I own a Miss Pac-Man machine from a Pizza Inn. You own a machine? Yeah, I own a Miss Pac-Man machine. Where is it? My parents' house. You should wrap that bad lady up. It weighs 800 pounds. Whoa. No, probably not that much. It weighs so much that when we hired someone to help us move, he tried to lift it by himself, and I said, you can't do that, and he said, watch me. And then he went, arg! <laughs> and then I didn't see him for the rest of the day because he seriously hurt his back. That sucks. Uh, it's very heavy. It has a huge cathode ray tube in it. I do want to put that Miss Pac-Man machine in my future home one day. It sounds like a good endeavor to... to, to do. Yeah, the problem with old arcade machines is they have these massive transformers. If you touch them with a screwdriver, you're fucking dead. Well, I suggest you don't do that. I tried. You tried not to? It was, just, it was too hard to resist? Uh, so there was a transformer on it, and I just like tapped it with a screwdriver to see if the transformer was still alive, and then I looked it up and apparently they store enough juice to just like instantly kill you. You shouldn't do that, my friend. I could have instantly you died. You could have died. I could have died. Thankfully, it had been unplugged for five years. Wow. So the charge dissipated. So that was my little segment about Burger King. I'm, I'm a, glad we uncovered a lot about Burger King in that segment. It was just a little, uh, what's, what do you call that thing in the meal where you eat it and it's like it's to break up the monotony of the other courses because you're in an eight-course French hell? Oh, an amuse Burger King? <laughs> Yeah, that was our Moosh Burger King. It, it amuses your Burger King. And now back to the main course, which is Disney's totally not a monopoly, John. Remember earlier in this episode, maybe, when I said that Disney wasn't a monopoly? Oh, like an hour ago? Like an hour ago, I said that. Uh, yeah, they're not a monopoly, my friend. You see, dearest champion of friends and gladiator of conversations, a monopoly. Would have to release... A movie every month this year. They would have to release, you know, like a Captain Marvel on March 8th, a Dumble, a Dumbo on March 29th, a Dumble, uh, an Avengers Affinity War on April 26th, uh, what looks to be like an Aladdin remake on May 24th. They would have to release, my friend, a Toy Story 4 on June 21st. My friend. They would have to release a Lion King live-action movie in July 19th. And then, inexplicably, they would have to skip August and September and release Frozen 2 on November 22nd. Any Frozen 2 Game of Thrones? 
and then Star Wars Episode Nine on December 20th. Now, this might have been just a, a long walk for the joke that Disney is releasing eight major films this year in eight out of the ten remaining months. Yeah, uh, Disney is absolutely a monopoly. Also, August and September are very bad movie months. Well, that's a shame because that's my birthday. And that's a shame for Hobbs and Shaw. Well, Hobbs and Shaw's coming out on my birthday, maybe. Yay! I want a birthday movie. Give it to me. I have a story about Dumbo. The movie? Or my nickname in high school. Whoa, sad. (laughs) Uh, Have you ever been to a little thing called South by Southwest? Oh, I once went and I saw Nathaniel and the Night Sweats. Nathaniel Radcliffe and the Night's Ratliff. But sure. <laughs> Daniel Radcliffe and his night and his nighty sweats. Uh, Daniel Radcliffe's sweaty nights. I once saw Shaky Graves there. Yes, at the same place. At the same place. And I went to that same place for this most recent South by Southwest. Oh, the same stage? The same stage. The stage at Lady Bird Lake. Oh, so this was the free concert. This was the free concert and for you all... didn't feel like inviting your For friends. all South by Southwest uh, and guest pass holders. You didn't feel like inviting your friends. It was very last minute. Anyway, we went there uh, and we kind of breezed through the line, saw Andrew Bird perform. It was very cool. Uh, and then while we were leaving, because we got there right before he started, we actually got there when I heard like the opening fiddle part to capsize. So I was like, oh, cool. We're getting here right when the show starts. Cool. Song references. And then we bounced afterwards and we got to walk past all the gross commercialism that I got to experience so thoroughly last time. Oh, the different flavors of Coke. Who wants to try all the different flavors of Diet Coke? Uh, but there was a Dumbo stage. Oh, no. Where they, you, people could take pictures with a very lovingly crafted giant, well, I guess regular scale, Dumbo statue that was horribly realistic based on the design by Tim Burton's uh, oh, monstrous, stupid, twisted mind, monstrous creatures. Uh, and I looked at it. And I, I don't know. I wasn't in my right in my right mind. I had had a Hans Pills. Oh, and then I had had a forty-five minute Andrew Bird set, so I was a little loopy. <laughs> uh, that, those Bird sets will mess you up. So I said to my friends, "Who wants to go and lick Dumbo's photorealistic eyes?" <laughs> Is that, did you just ruin your punchline? No, I said no. The, that is not the punchline. Uh, and uh, the people who were running the booth laughed. Because we were passing by, yeah. and I guess that was pretty funny, though I was only playing to my friends. And then they said, we don't care, you can lick his eyes, we get paid by the number of selfies people take. Are you serious? That's what they said. Whoa. Yep. There is, there's a subreddit I love, it's called A Boring Dystopia. That's that to a T. We get paid by the number of selfies Oh my the the, God. the sentence haha you can do that we get paid by the number of selfies people take horrifying how do you even quantify that do they have like a clicker that spits out dimes probably are they paid in dimes uh, but that was the most south by oh. southwest thing i experienced this year i it's weird because you always we live in this city this town this little place called austin texas and you always hear stories about how weird Austin, Texas is, and always keep it weird. Wow. But the day-to-day is pretty normal until other people come. Yes. When people come for, like, ACL or for your South by Southwest. Or for Eeyore's birthday. Eeyore's birthday. Any of the major events. Suddenly, Austin 
puts on like a little cheeky mask and becomes this weird we get paid by the selfie culture that just kind of punches you in the face with like you live in a weird place you <laughs> dummy it's like ah oh, this shit sucks and is super commercial now yeah I really feel like maybe the very end shitting on Austin might be the best place to end this episode. I think you're right, because I've talked about three of the four things I brought to talk about in this podcast. The most important one being the Burger King one. That's what I want to focus on. I really had no content. Uh, I'm going through kind of a, a tough time emotionally with things that are in the news. I appreciate you for... Uh, for pretty much handling this podcast episode. I mean, you're also about to go on vacation, so you got that vacation brain. I got a vacay brain. I, I appreciate you showing up at all to record since you're not going to be here next week. Is that yeah, what I understand? I will not be here next week at all. So if you want <laughs> We've got a hotel, so I might be able to record, but it's it's tough. I would say... See, uh, my, my, my lovely wife realized that we weren't going to be able to put out an episode when we were on vacation. And she offered to maybe say we could record during our, our honeymoon to which I said, no, we should just enjoy it. And so that's what I'm going to pass on to you. Just go enjoy your vacation. Don't worry about, about recording unless that's really what you want to do. Yeah. If we have enough downtime, maybe, but I'm really going to try to limit everything and just enjoy the thing for what it is and then come back. Yeah. But uh, I will miss the uh, the podcast audience for the week that we are gone. And, and I think that leads us naturally into the social media plugs. And if I may, uh, if anyone out there wants to be on an episode of Zero Credits, you can reach out and send me your contact information, hopefully via email, because you wouldn't want to put that publicly anywhere. At ZCPC, that's not what it's called. At Zero Credits is a podcast at gmail.com. Send us your Skype information. Send us your content that you want to cover. And you could just very well be on an episode of Zero Credits with yours truly, Henry, from the podcast. You, you could – this is a dream opportunity to hang out with Henry for anywhere between an hour and a half to two hours – now, one thing that I think that we had maybe set up earlier in this year was that there's going to be shared duty in the social media plugs at times. At times. At times. Is this one of those times? It is one of those times, and I feel like the only way to solve who should read the social media this week fairly is to involve a third party. So I'm going to go yell at your wife. Please do it politely. I will politely yell at your wife. All right. And I would like to introduce your wife. Oh, hello, my wife. Hello, I am the wife. Uh, so I would like you to pick in any way that you so choose, an eeny, meeny, miny, mo, if you will. Uh, whatever device that you use for picking people, hopefully at random, to read social media. Well, I can't just pick one, because if I don't pick my husband, it's going to look real bad. I could get you a coin to flip. Wait, okay, I have an idea. Um, I'm going to look at my watch... And then, so both of you give me a number of seconds. And when I look at my watch, that don't know. <laughs> okay. Jokes on you. My watch is set to Jamie time. <laughs> okay. Um, both of you give me a guess of number of seconds, and then when I look at my watch, whatever it is, whoever's closest will do it. Okay. Right. So the current number of seconds when you look at your watch. Yes. Okay. 
Are we ready? Yes. One, no, two. No, don't give me at the same time. Yeah, no, it's impossible. I'm yeah. going to guess 43. 27. Okay, here we go. One, two, three. Oh, it's like 48 or something. So I was closest. You were closest. Dang so it. you read. All right. All right. I already started them, so I guess I'll finish them. <laughs> this was, wait, I'm, this was unnecessary, this whole thing. with your superfluous. Thank you, wife. <laughs> your right. contributions right. to my life endeavors are very much appreciated. And when you listen back to this at your work, I hope you're smiling sure. and not scowling. <laughs> <laughs> I support you. Bye. How many wives have left rooms saying, I support you half-heartedly while their husbands are podcasting? Probably all of them. And if you want to support us, you can do so on Twitter.com at ZCPCWHJ, which stands for, of course, John. It stands for Zounds Crikey People Care with Whole Jesus. Funny, 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 funny thing about the word Zounds. Did you know that was an abbreviation for God's Wounds? God's Wounds? God's Wounds. Is that like a Middle Ages thing? It was the Victorian age. They thought using the Lord's name in vain was wounding him. And so instead of using the Lord's name in vain, they said instead, uh, I don't know the word, but made reference to his wounds which eventually was turned into thounds for some reason. You know what I would uh, turn into? Swoons. Swoons. We are on iTunes where you can rate and and leave a review of us, like maybe for that super informative description of what the word zounds is about. I I would just lead with that. That I think that's going to get the most listenership in. That's one of the most important things you can do is, is rate and review us on iTunes because it's the best thing. It's the lifeblood of the podcast. We're also on Twitch. Which we, we can't do that one anymore. Can't do that anymore. Our lawyers are, are stopping us. We're on Spotify. If you click on the podcast section on Spotify and type zero credit open parenthesis S close parenthesis, you will find us. That is the only way you can find us. That is bad marketing. This was a bad decision, but I don't give a darn. And as always, unless I'm forgetting something, word of the mouth is the only thing and the <laughs> it's literally the only thing that makes us survive. Usually, John does a way smoother thing. Tell a friend. Tell your boss. Get fired. Get homeless. Tell the homeless. Podcasts are free. Yeah, our podcast has a pretty strong homeless demographic, potentially. Potentially. In the infinite number of universes, we're the most popular homeless podcast. Man, if we could just plug into that multidimensional listenership, I think our multidimensional fans would have quite the quasars to give us. Aren't Jude Law? I'm an alien. Why is Jude Law Australian? I'm an alien. Oh, I'm Jude Law. I was in Mystic River. That was Sean Penn. Wait, in your Jude Law joke, you named a movie that he's not in, and you knew that nobody knew that, so you had to explain in the voice that that was Sean Penn and not Jude Law. I'm Jude Law, and we're going to fight. I'm an alien. 
from everyone here from the brand new <laughs> Zero Credits Podcast Studio Guest Room. We want to wish you a happy week. Bye. I'm Good boy. I'm an alien. much more interesting if we didn't already know the Kree were evil. I'm a <laughs> I should have died at the end of the movie. But I didn't so I could appear in the sequel. The flirkin was a bad choice kind of script writing wise. They're probably right but look at my golden fucking eyes. And friends, another episode of your most beloved Zero Credits. I have been your fiendly neighborhood exposition bot once again serving my ultimate purpose. To explain things when Henry is editing an episode at work and cannot splice in his own voice due to lack of recording equipment. In it. Until next time, stay insert catchphrase here.